telling Django about how there are certain moments or people in time that send art in a different direction, and that was Laurel Canyon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Joni Mitchell still loves up the street. Wow. You know, the Beach Boys were there. Zappa. Dennis had his nervous breakdown there. Zappa, Gail still lives there. His I thought wife. they moved. No, she moved out of that house. Lady Gaga bought Zappa's house. How I, perfect is that? I, I yeah. looked at moving into uh, one of Zappa's first apartments over Echo Park, the, oh, really? the one that he wrote Tiny House on the oh. park or whatever. But yeah. It was ridiculously small. <laughs> it, was, it really was <laughs> tiny. Yeah. yeah. But there's something to that, don't you think, that the creative force of everyone being able to okay. hang together, and there's, it's like New mm-hmm. York. Mm-hmm. During the very beginning of COVID, <coughs> excuse me, allergies, um, they had these things called porch concerts, and people would just go out on their decks or their porches, and people kind of go out in the street, and they'd have concerts. And if you didn't mm. want to go out, you could access it through whatever Laurel Canyon Facebook page. But we had these concerts up there, and there were like some amazing musicians oh up there. I mean, Joni God. did one with her old, and uh, Willie Nelson spent some time in Laurel Canyon during mm-hmm. the COVID. And you'd have these ama- and then they found out about it, and buses would come up there every wow. Saturday night looking for them. So we had wow. to stop. But I mean, right. amazing concerts up there. Um, so, uh, for. I mean, I guess in, in, in creativity or in happiness, is there, is there something like uh, the, the enemy to you? Um, like for me, uh, I know that if I, don't, if I don't get the right amount of sleep or if I, if I miss a night of sleep, I'm reeling for the next two weeks trying to get back and I'm like, it, it drives me crazy. Um, but it, do, do you guys have one of those? And if yes, do you know your way out? Do you know how to, how to prevent it? What about you? Well, many, many years ago, um, I was at a party, um, and uh, this is actually back in the day when I was doing Fame, and uh, I think it might have been before you, Laura, or right after you, but I know you weren't there, but... uh, the, the people who threw the party for some reason gave a little wrote a little thing about everyone who was there so we'd all know each other I guess and what they wrote for me is um, Ira Bear is the only person who's worked on fame who doesn't want to live forever because it re- would re- represent success in a mediocre world <laughs> so I do remember that so the the thing that uh, gets in my way is how I feel about success and work, and which is why I say no to so many projects over the year. Is that is that like because um, uh, I have something where if I do something that I'm I'm really proud of and I, I make it, I just had this last week where I wrote a song and I liked it a lot. And then the, the, the very next thing my instinct was to do was to kind of break down a little bit and go a little bit insane and then not sleep. <laughs> um, Definitely for him, I feel like success is the flip side of failure. And he's almost equally 
um, abhorrent to both of them. Like he doesn't really want to be like Cagney and Lacey or you know SUV or SVU. What is that thing? Yeah. But at the same time, having a show that crashed and burned, he doesn't want that either. So it's it's he's equally fearful of both sides of the coin. I think, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I've I've never really. Uh, all the years we were doing Deep Space, just like with every show, I never, ever, ever think about people watching it. The audience never enters into it, which is why I, you know, have a hard time with the time we're living in now when everything is kind of for the fans and getting the fans involved. Mm. Because, yeah. you know, that's not how it works. You have to do what you respond to and what you believe in and forget everyone else. And if it works for you, that's the win. Mm. That's the only win worth having, in my opinion, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, th you know, it's, it's the thought that people were watching the show. I, I used to tell the writing staff, <laughs> I said this once at a, uh, at a writer's guild thing. They asked, uh, I was one of the people they brought in to talk to newbies they never asked me again. Because <laughs> I, I said, you know, when you're lucky enough to have your own show or to work on a show you really like and respect, the only people who can judge the show are the people who work on it. Those are the only people. Don't listen to anyone else. You know, it's only, you're only doing it for yourselves. Mm. And it was like, okay, what about the studio and the network? And, you know, yeah, but so, so many times I, I used to read his stuff. I stopped that. I would say to him, honey, no, there are states in between New York and California. <laughs> I, I used to say, fly over. Fly, I mean, then I would just yeah, bring it yep, down to yep, yep. fly over. <laughs> so it's not that he did, wrote for the fans, but he, he, you can't write everything in New York. Anyway, so mm. uh, in mm. terms of what you said, yeah, my, my creative demon is myself. I like the same thing. I'll choreograph something, then I'll come home and say it's terrible. I just second guessing myself and getting out of my head. Mm. So, like when I choreograph something or when I like make a tutu or something, I have to put it, get far enough away from it physically and mentally and emotionally. And I look at if somebody else made that, would I hate it? Mm. Or if I look at a ballet choreographed and say, now, what if so and so choreographed this? What would I tell them is wrong? And so that way I'm not judging myself. Mm. So over the years, that's what I've had to do is get out of my head. You, 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 take it, you take it away from yourself and you, make, you, you look at it subjectively. I get, I, and I get, it, I get distance from it. From, I get, try to have distance from my ego. Mm -hmm. You know, because nobody's as hard on themselves as I think we are. Mm -hmm. So. For sure. Yeah, that's what I, what's always annoyed me about the setup, which is where you're judged by the studio and network or whoever who think that, you know, they're the ones who have to be the hard ass, asses, you know, uh, you know, making sure that the, the material is as good as it can be and, and pushing supposedly the, the creative people to, to do better, do better. No one is tougher on themselves than creative people. You know, mm. we don't need that push. That push is usually diagonally. You know, they're, they're pushing you in a direction like, it's like, what? You mm. know, do you understand what we're even trying to do? So, so I find that, you know, it's people who are creative 
you know, they fool themselves uh, about a lot of things, but if they're truly creative, they know whether, whether they've succeeded or failed. Mm. Deep down, they do. Mm. Yeah, we were just talking about Nirvana, and it's like... Uh uh, makes me think of like Daniel Johnston, who who was uh, Kurt's favorite musician and was a big outsider and kind of never made uh, music that really hit big. Uh, I think in his lifetime, but uh, to to to, I mean, you know, he he was making what he felt was right, and he inspired uh, one of the biggest icons of music history, and uh, I mean, and 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 tons of other people. He found his audience, but. Um, yeah, but yeah. Daniel Johnston, let's face it, I mean, he had serious uh, mental problems. You know, he he had he was challenged. He had he had a lot of demons. He had a lot of the, the fact that he could do anything mm. is incredible. Mm. And and I love his music. And um, uh, I was on a trip once with some buddies, and we blasted Daniel Johnston music all the way through North Dakota in that beautiful. Whoa countryside and that voice the tinny you know guitar and the tinny voice it was it was pretty awesome but but you know he's an example of you know how talent or creativity or the spark or whatever you want to call it shows up in the damnedest places you know mm -hmm. you, anytime you prejudge someone you can be extremely wrong mm. because talent is given out in a very haphazard <laughs> slapdash way so mm. but yeah he was uh he drank too much mountain dew <laughs> he loved his mountain dew just a little too much so yeah. do you think so for you do you think that wrestling or becoming friends with your demons is the way out of that artistic boxing ring for me, um, it's safety. It, if it's someone making a big space for me to work or just physically feeling safe, and then I can do what I do. Um, but I have to go back to Ira because I'm, I'm listening to how you feel about everything, and I, have, I did I don't know how many interviews with how many uh, writers uh, that worked with you over the years and you know loving you the way I do there's a there's a bit of okay so tell me about Ira <laughs> I have to do it I have to ask and I'm like oh for the first few times until to a person they go he was a mentor he he made he was a gem he was all these so you, obviously, the thing that helps me be creative, you did for a whole lot of writers, a whole lot. And they learned from you. That's what they say. You know, his assistants used to call working for Ira grad school. And yep. They just, they, they, and, and, they go, and they think they want to be writers, and half of them would end up being agents or directors. And it, it's, you know, they go to grad school. They'd work in the business and... He, he was. I mean, he but, is. I agree. He is really a great mentor. But that that was easy. <laughs> you know, that's the easiest part of it. You know, that's just, I do that by nature. Um, so it's not something I think 
a lot about. It's, it's, you know, I, you know, I, uh, I always say it goes back to, you know, hanging out at uh, Mario's Pizza Place on the, in the Bronx with the Bronx boys. You know, I mean, that kind of camaraderie, that kind of we're all in this together, even if we're miserable and have nothing to do on a Saturday night, but hang out in the cold, shivering, hoping that Mario will let us inside <laughs> if someone buys a slice. Um, but, you know, that part of it is is the fun part of it. I wish I had a better handle on how I dealt with the people I work for because they don't think I'm so <laughs> swift. Well, you know, they just think <laughs> I'm that, a pain in the ass. Well, that's a challenge. I've just recently stopped calling them suits. I didn't even call them by their name. So, <laughs> oh, love, a suit just walked that. in. And, you know, I'm married to what I used to call a suit now. So I, I've had to stop that. And also I understand there's so much more. I I understand that side of it now. But, you know, I've I've always felt like you. It's like get out of my way. But mom, what what about if you what what about if you don't have that if you're not provided with that safety immediately in a in a project? What do you how do you how do you go about creating that for yourself? I go to a place that I'm not sure is good. Um, uh, but I go to, and I, you know, I, I did guest stars for these big shows, guest star after guest star, and it's the worst position. They treat you badly. Um, I was on night court, and I got told, no, you can't sit, you know, they do a table read, and there are all these chairs with no names, um, and scripts with no names. So I was the first one to get there, because it was long into their run. So no one showed up on time. I did. And because I was guesting. And I sat down. And as they came in, they said, No, you can't sit there. Someone's sitting there. And each one made me get up and move. Oh, my God. And, and so it that kind when I'm in that place, I'm like, Okay, you got a problem that I need to fix. I'm a plumber. And you've got pipes that need to be done. That's what I'm here for. Oh, interesting. Mm. So I'm doing my job, and it becomes that kind of. Yeah, I don't. I I don't want to talk. I'll walk away, but I do my job, and it's almost with a vengeance. So it's not great. But again, it's like removing your removing yourself and your ego from the situation. I don't of. know if that's removing your ego. Mm. I think that if I really removed my ego, I would be. Um, flexible and probably more creative even but um and also not storing bad chemicals in my body but um yeah that's that's the way when i've had to it's almost like going to war i put my armor on Mm. it's so interesting you say that because i have two friends two australian friends who are actresses and they're exactly the opposite one has to have this safe space and she's very aware of the other actors and she did a lot of guest things and where do I slot in? I don't want to, you know, step on that one space. And she, and, and she had to literally go, go in and create a safe environment for herself, mm-hmm. Jackie. And, I know who and when she couldn't, she used to tell me, go in, do your job, go home. Oh, the other one, my friend Anna was, I mean, she worked for Fincher a lot and she just, 
goes in, does her job, comes home. She doesn't, it doesn't matter who's around her. It doesn't matter what they're going through. She, she has this, oh, I wish I had it, to just, you know, people throwing tantrums. She's just unaware. Mm. And mm. What, a, I mean, what a blessing. That is. Yeah. That really is. Yeah, yeah that's, that would be my goal, to really just take the ego out of it completely. So it's like it goes, passes right through you. doesn't matter. Mm. I, I am curious um, about... Uh, I mean, you, you, you talked to her about uh, being a Bronx kid, New York, and you're both, you're both uh, super lovely and, and free-spirited and, and uh, you have awesome style. And it's like, where, uh, wh- what, what would be like a snapshot of your, your, your youth? Um, who, what, what circle did you run in and, uh, for, for both of you? Um, and and how, how would you look back on that time? Well, I uh, was emailing today with guys who I went to kindergarten with. So we go back a long way. I will say I was proudly uh, a bit of an outsider. I mean, my, my, my friends, for the most part, and it's all a generalization, I know, but they were into sports, playing sports, gambling and some other stuff (laughs) i all i wanted to do was get the hell out of the bronx and get into manhattan you know i was listening to totally different music than they were listening to they you know uh were not into movies as much as i was to put it lightly um and there was a time when i copied out the lyrics to Bob Dylan's Positively Fourth Street, which which has the ending lyrics, you have a lot of nerve to say you was my friend. Uh, you know. And he would recite it to them. And I, I, I recited the whole poem, you know. Uh, well, how old were you then? I was about 13, maybe. Oh, wow. Well, 13. <laughs> wow. Um, and, and, you know, if for just one time you could stand inside my shoes and just for that moment I could be you and and you'd know what a drag it was to see you. That That's the end of the song. <laughs> you'd know what a drag it is to see you. And I just read it out. I remember where we were standing on Creston Avenue and I just, and they all listened. And I finished, I thought, were they going to kick the shit out of me? What was going to go up, you know? And it was like, Oh, okay. And then it was like nothing. Nothing could penetrate them. Nothing at all. It was like, <laughs> okay, that's Ira being Ira. So what a nightmare. <laughs> so, so, but what I loved about them was they made me laugh in, you know, at no matter where I was in my life and wanting to bust out, and they always made me laugh. And we would be on the ground laughing together. Mm-hmm. And they also know me. They don't give a rat's ass about any success I've had. They're now in their dotage, they're a little proud. But back in the day, you know, uh, I never even spoke about it when I'd go back mm. east, you know. But it was just that thing about being in a group and everyone had their place. And, you know, you were expected to behave. You didn't whine about things, mm. you know, in, in, a, in an offbeat way. It was kind of like being a Hoxian professional. 
And that's what I expect out of a writing staff in some, not a deep space nine, but I've been on shows where I've had a, a Hoxian professional can where if people bitch too much. They had to put a dollar in because it's like, you could only that bitch that much. <laughs> Wait, what's Hoxian professional? What is that? Howard Hawks, the director, yeah. his movies, the, 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 the leads in his movies, the main characters were called Hoxian professionals because all his character, male or female, it's how they reacted to pressure, how the group worked together mm. and, and gr basically grace under fire, whether it was fire like bullets or just situations. So you had to be a Hoxian professional. I believe in that. I really do. That was my work ethic. You know, you do the job, everything else, you know, you got to get past finally, no matter how annoying, and you have to do the job, you know. And in in a way, you know, whatever hit my Bronx boys, they they just kept going. Broken marriages, tons of shit went down, um, and a lot of them aren't with us anymore. Um, but but no one ever complained. No one ever ever made excuses, you know. And, and to me, that just kind of set me on a path on how I was expected to behave, how I judged myself, and how I judge myself is how I judge other people, which might be a mistake, but that's how I do it, you know? But what if, what if you need support? What if you're wobbly? I mean, did your guys, did you and your guys support that, or were you expected to be... <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, well, you know, it's guy stuff. So, so, you know, it's not, you know, like the movie stand by me that everyone talks about. <laughs> no, no, you know, no one talked about, you know, their inner soul or, or their suffering or their bad relationships or, you know, their drug problems or whatever it was, you know, is that for Laura? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting to hear him talk two things. One, Everything he's saying, because he is, was, is and was the best father, but what he found challenging was, I have a very emotional son. He, I was talking to you about wearing their emotions, and that he cried through his vows when he got married. He was sitting there just, and he kept going, that would be me. Mom, don't that, worry, mom. Yeah, that would be oh, me too. Which is yes. so beautiful. Yeah. Yes. But he grew up with kids, you just soldier on. and. And that was like, and he was like, well, no, honey, this is not how you do it, you know? And even as a, as a, as a teacher, you have to teach each kid where they are, yeah. be, rather than this is how I teach and you have to just do this. But um, it's interesting to hear him talk because people always say, you're so different. How did you get together? Same thing. I was into ballet from five years old. I knew I loved it. But I could get along with these like kids at school, and they were so different than me. I mean, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. They were valley girls. And I just could get, they were nothing like me. They didn't get it. Where are you going every day after school? But I was able to just sort of exist in these two different worlds, mm -hmm. which I never realized, but that's probably what we have in common. And they didn't think, and also, you know, I was this brainy kid. But it it was so I had I could just slide into that group and still not be like them. So childhood for me was really just being an outcast because I had that dedication of a young adult as a seven year old mm -hmm. and 
kids that age don't get it. What do you mean you're going to ballet every day after school? But what about the other dancers? Did you well, hang with them? I, I hung with them, but see, here was the problem. Most of them were dumb as boxes of hammers. <laughs> a few fries short of a happy meal. And so then there was that other side, because my father was a genius. So it was really hard. I didn't fit into either world. I mean, I love my ballerina friends, but you know, they, they can be snotty. They can be backstabbing and snotty. But they were just not... It's a culture that's set up for dancers, really. Yeah. I mean, and you don't have a moment to develop any other part of you, even your voice. I remember when I was dancing, my voice was happy. It's like, I was too. Yeah, because you're just not speaking. You're just dancing. Yeah. That's all you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... And and that weird culture at the, what, 70s, 80s, 90s, yeah. dance. Yeah. It, was, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it was all Balanchine. And yeah, all we, Balanchine. And we were not six foot tall. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Very unhealthy. So, it, just to go back to this idea, do you... Do you then work things out on the page? What do you mean? Well, if you like, don't, yeah. I mean, uh, if if the like the male thing makes it so you can't talk about your emotions so much, do you do you put it into your art? Well, I I, I would talk about my emotions at times. It just yeah. obviously. <laughs> That's what that story is about. I was using Dylan, but that was my emotions right there. It just fell on deaf ears, you know. But but, you know, it's not about emotions. I, I, in fact, I'm getting more emotional as I get older, uh, as my wife will will tell you. Um, but but I am a strong believer in, as Lenny Bruce said, uh, there is only what is, not what should be. What should be is a dirty lie. And I think that we drive ourselves insane because we think it should be like that. You know, it makes sense that it's like that. Agreed. And it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You have to play the cards you are dealt. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds like cold, but it's not cold. No. There's nothing cold about it. it it's, it's trying to... to it's to, high to, Buddhist stuff, except what is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and go from there. No, it's not cold. And... Uh, it's pretty interesting because I was thinking about like, well, me and my male friends, like we're always talking about the stuff that's going on in our lives. But uh, I, I think what, what makes it possible and what makes it uh, comfortable is the fact that we we're never actually complaining. Like it's like, this is, this is just my, my life right now. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, I, I don't think anyone would have a, a lot of tolerance for, for uh, complaining um, so much. Yeah, but you know, I'm going to have to get old on you here. Please. I'm going to have to get mom on you. Part of the reason you're able to be in that space is because you have the mom you have and you have the parents you have because there are a lot of kids who complain and who are miserable because they're never going to reach the expectation that their parents have set for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I'm just, I've known you a long time. Th there was no expectation. It was who you were, not who Nana thought you should be. And that's a rare gem to have, yeah. you know, and we always try to raise our kids with that. They set the bar. We don't. They, they just show up, don't yeah. they? Yeah. They arrive and it's so obvious they're all different. It's really mm. true. <laughs> it's really true. It's really true. I have a question. What do you do for fun? What's fun? What go? What do you do that you go, oh, boy, I get to? Well... You know, it changes over the years, I guess. But, you know, right before the pandemic, we were going to 
the two of us uh, were going to festivals. Oh my God, I was going to say the same thing. You know, we, so we were going to all these funky, like. Music festivals? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Nothing that We cool. went to the Lavender <laughs> Festival. The Lavender <laughs> Festival. <laughs> then we went to the Watermelon The Watermelon Festival. But, but there was Pretty good. Watermelon. We voted on Miss Watermelon. Just wacky stuff like that. We went to see the Poppy Festival. The Poppy, Poppy Festival, Festival and the. Uh, what, the Crawfish. Crawfish Festival. Wow. But the one he loves garlic. And I said, I'm going to do something really special for Ira. I'm going to get us tickets. It was up in Gilmore. I'm going to get him tickets to the garlic festival. And I made this reservation, this cute little Airbnb, and blah, blah, blah. And then at the last minute, he just didn't feel like traveling. So I canceled everything and we went to the Crawfish Festival. That was when they had the shooting at the Gilmore Garlic Festival. No way. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we were supposed to be there. Oh my God! Yeah, wow, that was a so that was our last festival. Um, but you know, I mean, uh, you know, basically, besides, you know, I mean, for years, the lavender uh, festival. I don't see it. I just I, like I, wandering I around like an idiot. You know, <laughs> I just sounds, like sounds fun. Yeah, I, I'm a big I, fan I just of like chili. wandering around like an idiot. Yeah. You know, and looking at things. No, I go, honey, uh, lavender beer. Uh, <laughs> Nothing is expected of me. I'm not, you know, I'm not supposed to know anything. I don't know how it grows. I don't know what, you yeah. know, I know this lavender soap and lavender this you could buy, but it's, it's, it's very relaxing for I, me. I just read today that one of the best things that couples can do is something kind of, you know, off-piste. Yeah. Do something you don't normally do or, would, or ever have done, and that is really team-building. And and good for your brain. Well, we really because we really do experience it together. Like the watermelon festival, we had no idea. So we were just like, oh my god, it's a watermelon bouncy house. We just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Miss watermelon, little Miss watermelon. We were dying. I, I was I was so happy and and relaxed. I mean, I get, you know, I mean, we used to go away, you know. Uh, Back in the day, you know, I'd go, we'd go up to Big Sur and I would just mm. like sit in this stream and not move for days. That's my place. I, I could just stare. We had no phone in the room, no TV. I just sit in this river and just veg and, and, and then we'd, you know, have some nice meals and walk around, whatever. But, you know, I we, heard Dejan's is gone. What? Yes. What? Mm-hmm. Oh no. I know. I was. I wish I could fun. buy that damn place. I, oh, wouldn't that be amazing? <sighs> Unbelievable. It was a series of of little. It, it was so totally an artist's environment. It, the rooms that you could stay in. This is the one that's terribly haunted. Everyone runs out in the middle of the night. This is the one that's up in the <laughs> in the trees, and they looked like little hobbit places to stay and you would have breakfast in this dining room uh and it was so dark from all the trees you're really in the forest there would be these candelabras big tall candles on all the tables Mm. it was just magical that's that's his favorite place i mean when i we were we were just dating and i said let's go to big sur and he just Kerouac, yeah, I'll go there. <laughs> and then when he got there, he realized it was different than the beats. It's, it's just, magical. Y- it is magical. 
It's magical, Nepenthe. And now I, I wanted to go because of Kerouac, but it's just insanely expensive now. Oh, like it's it's there, you can't. Ridiculous. There are little places there. I don't know if it's still there, but there are little weird, really weird kind of hippie Laurel Canyon places, like a series of six little cabins. There are no running water, and you just go and stay in one of those cabins. Mm. Oh, you would love that. That's that sounds good. The, I have to I have to remember where this is because I took him there. It's still there. Oh, it's been there for 50, yeah, but 60 everything years. changes. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, you know, as you know, I love, I love going to the movies. We used to go to the movies at least once a week before the pandemic, um, and I read a hell of a lot. And basically, the best thing I do is hang out. <laughs> I love. That's again the Bronx Boys. Mm -hmm. You know, put me in a comfortable room or outside or wherever, and and just shoot the shit. I mean, I just love because it always will lead to laughter. I think if you're with sympathetic people, mm. you know, um, you get on the same wavelength. So I think, you know, I'm 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 pretty simple. I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy in terms of what I like. We, what, in terms of what I like? Oh, in terms of what you like. Yeah. I would not call I would it call it simple. simple but, um, <laughs> a simple tin. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, how about you? I mean, the, 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 fe the, the festivals. The festivals. But I, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, I stopped liking going to theater and dance because I, at the very beginning, I couldn't get that objective eye. Like, I would go to the ballet and I'd say, oh, is she going to ever point that foot? Or, you know, or, or like I'd go, do they know what a line is? And they just, you move up. And I couldn't enjoy it because I was just re-choreographing anything. So I got to a point where I could enjoy it. So I loved the theater. And we did the theater a lot. But just honestly, I just love sitting in the living room watching a movie with him and he makes me laugh yeah it's almost better if it's a bad movie because he'll start doing his own dialogue <laughs> but she also you know she knits she gardens see I that's mean, what that's, i figured that's the You're, real you have so much energy thing you know uh, is is, is pretty intense and she loves it and, uh, you know, I'm always like, come in, honey, you're going to get sunstroke or come in, honey, you know, you're going to have no, your back's going to be here. Do you want this? I saved that for you. Oh, and not right now. So, yeah. So my garden is my Zen place. We should, we should run the, the theme song yeah, and, and, and jump to introductions. But uh, I was playing Xbox with, with my dad actually this morning, my birth father. And he wanted to know, I, well, I guess we both wanted to know if this was an accurate memory ab about you, Laura, well, I guess both of you, because he, I, I mentioned that we were interviewing the both of you, and, and he said, uh, oh, Laura's a, a pistol, um, and, and in his accent. But he said, I remember one year Ira was running around trying to get her a chainsaw for her birthday. Chainsaw. Because oh, that's the kind of girl she is. True. Okay, so it. it's true. So he, he's so sweet. Okay, we were just talking about this this morning. So when we first met, he got me this gorgeous dance bag, leather, whatever. It was like $500, and I I spilled on the floor laughing hysterically. I'm not going to put my sweaty toe shoes in a $500 Gucci dance bag. 
So I had to return it. But so now what he does, oh, it's so cute. So we got to the point where I would just get a magazine, like a catalog, and I'd circle it, and then I'd hand it to him and point out where the phone number or the website is. So one year, one year I wanted to chainsaw, and he gave it to me, and the, and the note read, so wait, I put the severed finger in a bag with ice and then rush you to the hospital, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you not fall off that? I fell off a mountain. Okay, whatever. No, no. You <laughs> fell off a chair while you were with Oh, the... yeah, yeah, yeah. I fell off a chair. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. And a mountain? And a mountain. <laughs> no, no, that's the that joke. Was but no, she, okay. was, she was on a stool outside with the chainsaw. And I some... have my fingers. And oh, she God. fell. Oh, God. But uh, It's no, not but, funny. No, it's like... But so I circled this this really oh my God. this really fun garden tool thing, and I got it. And then he goes, "Wait, I have another present for you." And I opened it, and it's this like hideous, weird wood duck. <laughs> and I go, "Oh, honey, we went rogue." He goes, "No." And then he goes and gets the paper. He goes, "Look." You just did it with a Sharpie, and I couldn't tell which one you wanted. <laughs> oh, my God. I, it had bled through, and the duck was starting. Oh, my God. But that's how great he is. <laughs> but I did get her another chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, recently. A small one. A yeah. very small one. Accurate but memory. But I'm telling you, yeah, very, so yes, very scary yes. to have her. <laughs> with she's a dancer, so you know she's a clown. Oh, God, right? yeah. I mean. But things need to be cut down. When she was pregnant, she fell down. A flight of stairs that a two steps and she broke her ankle on two steps going from the, the, the you don't yeah. feel your balance yeah. you don't know where your center of gravity is yeah. so a chainsaw and your come feet on are feel me now. come on it's just not a good thing it's not a good match but, but so so you had the duck and then he brought out the chainsaw and was like, this is... So that's a different year. No, that was a different, different year. year. So okay. the chainsaw, I, no, the chainsaw was just needed. Well, I'm going to with the severed limbs. What do I do? Put, pack it nice and take me to Cedars. Okay, <laughs> let's get off the chainsaw. <laughs> Bad memory. Sid, Sid. So, uh, to, int to introduce you both, I mean, uh, uh, um, a renowned writer and, and a, a renowned um, conductor. Choreographer. A choreographer, yeah. thank you. Yeah. No, no, how renowned. My father would be so upset that he forgot the word choreographer. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. You don't have to introduce us. We know each other. Ira, meet. Ira Stephen Bear, meet Laura Bear. Hi. <laughs> Actually, Laura is responsible for making a safe place for me to be pregnant with you on the show. It was Laura's idea to uh, not have me you know, holding things or behind counters and just this this 
pregnancy mix-up thing. It was brilliant. You know, she said it so quickly. It was like she didn't even have to think about it. It was such a no-brainer for her. And it was like, oh, my God, I got to get in and tell everyone tomorrow. It was like, oh, yeah, just do that. He goes, what are we going to do? Oh, my God, I made a character right now. Not what are we, oh, my God. I could just put her baby in her body. It's the 24th century, which, by the way, I think is going to solve the abortion dispute. We have to find a way to put the babies into the bodies of the women who want those children. Mm. Maybe have that a third option, I think would be good. Wow. And we're, I mean, science is going to solve everything. It's going science to be on care to... now. <laughs> it's everyone. No, but I mean, when you think about it, we're so close to scary stuff with science. Why can't we take that in a direction of solving problems? Right. On that note, delay, that's... delay Mars for another few years and just, um, work down here. Yeah. Um, but that, that was, that was really impactful because if you get, I mean, especially then if you got, well, now too, if you get pregnant oh. during a, a, the running of a TV show, it's, it's uh, freaky, uh, freaky deaky for the writers I, and the, the I actors. was, I was pretty sure I was going to get fired because there was, uh, well, that's silly. An that's actor who had, I, know, I can't remember her name right now, but she had just been fired. I, you know, I know exactly. And then I worked right with her then, later. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't Katie Seagal. No, was it? but it was no. somebody in that. Yeah, yeah. In, in in that time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, well, I was always feeling like I was going to get fired anyway. So ridiculous. Well, I did. I felt that way. And, uh, you know, I was a dancer on Broadway. It's like the notice is going up or you're going to get fired or, you know, it's just what happened. Um, but you had a fan base. You know, let's, we don't have to get into all of this, but you even had a fan base like while the show was still considered you know not not everyone's favorite but you 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 developed I know what a, a turnaround base. right you developed the fan base you know very quickly i i wasn't aware of it i was not aware of it seriously Mm-mm. no i was just talking about that with Janko because it was so pivotal in what lead women characters can be and do there were slots that you could fill. Oh, yeah. And occasionally you could be a lawyer. But it made it possible for fans to love a character and a role model in a way that made them, it made possibility, there were possibilities now that weren't before, and in a way that empowered them. I mean, nobody looked at, like, I don't know, the mom on some sitcom go, I want to be I want to have, you know. Although that was what we were fed to go, yeah, that's what a mother is. She sits there and she's in the background. Or, you know, the I remember I was doing this series called Downtown. It was another guest star. And I was wearing it was it had to be the eighties because I was wearing big shoulders and a tight skirt and really high heels, but I had been uh kidnapped. So I was sitting on the floor and my ankles were tied and my my hands were tied behind my back and they were coming to save me and my shoes were still on and I was sitting with my knees up and I went oh my god this is the last time I will ever be a part of sexualizing violence mm. ever and mm. deep space nine every time there was something violent happening I made sure to it wasn't pretty, not pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Just wouldn't do it yeah. ever again. But it, it, 
and again, I, don't, I want to go back because it, I go to these conventions occasionally, and the the biggest thing I come away from them with is how much more the series is like now. But how what a big impact yeah. you made on girls and women's lives, even the kids growing up now. It just, I mean, if the possibilities were this, they're now the whole room, the whole world. You opened up the world of possibilities to a lot of young women. Well, and Ira, I, yeah, that's I was you. Say, I, I, think, I think that all, <laughs> all three of you, I guess, in, in the end were involved in that because um, yeah. there, were, there were so many, so many characters in that show that were uh, represented in, in, and, and really lived in that, you know, like hadn't, hadn't really had a chance to, to breathe yet, you know, and, and that kind of defined or shaped a lot of, you know, what I find enjoyable about culture today and now, like, like, you know, like, I, I guess in a way, you know, letting what, what makes you, uh, divergent from, from the norm or, or what's perfect, like letting your freak flag fly, you know, um, and, and being, being, proud to be who you are and I you know um, I, I think that I, I see that all over the place now and I, I think that you all were responsible for creating creating a, a, an initial ripple that um, had a had a far reach I I've had a lot of humbling moments but one was I was interviewing Brian Fuller and he said that watching DS9 and watching Kira he went that's what I want to do. He was a psychology student, and um, he just went, that's it, that's, that's what I need to do. And now he can't get enough stories out. He's like, I'm not going to be alive enough to get all these stories out. i got to get all these stories out. You know, a lot of it, you know, we do have to pay homage to Michael Piller, who, you know, set it all up. Absolutely. He, he set up the playing field. All those characters were there. Um, it was just getting the full flavor bouquet out of all of them. But and he told me, he told me, Michael Pillar told me, because I was so upset he was leaving, and he said, no, what you need to understand, this character has always been Ira. Yeah, yeah. look, I, I'm, I'm not doing the, 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 the humble me thing. I definitely ran with, with what he set up and I, I ran with it in places they never dreamed it would go and ultimately weren't that sure about those places. I get it. I was there. I know what I did. But I also know that that you know that setup was incredibly, incredibly rich. Even more so than he and Rick, I think, realized at the time. Hmm. I mean they, they said they wanted to do something different. I don't think they realized how different it was going to be. But, but it was, you know, it, it was there from, you know, from you, from, you know, Sid, who was not beloved at the beginning, which was the idea, you know, was the idea to have a character grow in front of your eyes and wow. the whole Bashir-O'Brien relation. All of it was there. I mean, I saw very clearly by the end of season one, duet and in the hands of the prophet with the one-two final punch that said, okay, maybe a little bit 
rough around the edges at the beginning season one of a Star Trek show, but but there's a lot of room for us to play. But what I always said to him, what I love about the character and what I love about your generation, it's better, it's not great yet, is women are allowed one emotion. I mean, women are allowed to have all these emotions. You, happy, sad, fearful, hesitant. They're just not allowed to be angry because then you're a bitch. Mm-hmm. Boys, on the other hand, don't get to have those emotions. So if you have somebody creative and you have a young boy growing up who's got creativity, no, boys can't be fearful. No, boys can't be hesitant. No, you can't be weepy. They're allowed one emotion, mm. anger. If you're going to get emotional, you're a guy. You, you got to stick it under anger. Which is right. why I think boys shoot up schools and girls don't. We need to have outlets for young people to feel because it's in there. Mm. But what I loved about Kira was when he first started writing women, strong women, I, used to, I remember I said to him once, honey, she's strong. She doesn't have PMS 24-7. And he learned how to finesse anger that was, you know, it didn't have, she got to have anger that wasn't bitchy. And and I think bringing anger into a woman's character was so important because we're not allowed to be, then we're bitches. And I thought that was so important. Yeah. I I was just saying to to mom, actually, I, I mean, recounting an episode of Rick and Morty on a podcast is very weird, but... They, 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 they did this thing in one episode because it's all, it's all based on two guys and their adventures, but they did like, they made a reference to the Bechdel test in the middle of the episode. And so they, they Say went Say what off. the Bechdel test the, the, is. The, the Bechdel test is like um, uh, how, how frequently in a movie or, or show or production, I guess, uh, two women are having a conversation that isn't about an, another man. Um, so... Uh, historically that that's not something that happened very much yeah. um but they 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 referenced that and then the whole like for the next five minutes they they were experimenting in what would happen if we passed the bechdel test and it's just two blank-eyed women going hello is it your time of the month yes it is my time of the month <laughs> they're just i mean um but but yeah i i, I think that i i think that what, yeah i mean the bechdel test is a low bar it's a really low it's bar so funny. Yeah, for it's women. It's so funny. It's terrible. Just having a com- just existing. Yeah. Just being a person yeah. in the world. But it's amazing <laughs> how many shows won't pass that. Yeah. But, and on the flip side, which is so true, but on the flip side of that is you think about young boys and young men and how narrow their emotional you know, field is. I mean, a little boy who cries, he's a baby. A man who can cry is in touch with his feelings, but no. So we really are doing a disservice to our boys as much as we were doing to women. Totally agree. But that's, I think that's also, um, not that that, that's okay, but it it is, like, I I was kind of outcast as a kid because I was a little emotional or, you know, I wore skinny jeans, I did the whole thing. And then uh, the moment that you decide to stick to your guns and just be who you are because for a long time for two years I just tried to conform and there was no more isolating time than that when I when I you know I was like I need to go to the gym I need to do all this stuff and then the moment I was like all right now this is who I am and I'm gonna try to do the best I can with it um 
uh, yeah, it's weird to talk about like social stock, but, but my own relationship with myself, uh, my likability to myself skyrocketed. Um, and, and, uh, so I, I, and, and, and now I, I feel more, more, perhaps I, I, I go to, a, uh, you know, a place where there are like, uh, you know, f- frat kids or something like that hanging out. And I, I, I remember looking at them and being like, Oh my God, I wish I could, I just wish I could be them. And now I'm like, dude, they're so uncomfortable and I'm loving life. Like, was there uh, a moment where you what did it happen? Was there something that happened that took you into that different direction where you were accepting, or did it happen gradually? Was there somebody in your life that you think affected that or had an effect on that? I think it was me. I think it was me realizing how isolated I felt over time and how how distant from myself I felt, and just constantly trying to search for a solution to the the kind of pain that I was experiencing, and eventually, like the the last thing I tried was, oh, how about you just be yourself? <laughs> and with with that, I, I opened up and I like, uh, you know, my social anxiety dis- not disappeared, but became a lot more manageable. And, um, and I found out that society was actually uh, very willing to accept me. And, and um, you know, and, and in, in, in some cases em- embrace those qualities. Um, and how old were you when you had this uh, Satari? Maybe uh, this year. <laughs> I don't know. Right? It hasn't been. Um, it hasn't been long. Well, this um, is uh, early to get. Yeah, to that's what I was going to say. Really Twenty-five. Early. That's that's a big get. <laughs> that's a big understanding. It's amazing. I mean, that's that's pretty good. You know. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I. You know, I. He's going to get there someday. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Bronx. I mean, you know. No, but I certainly at at 25, I was still struggling with myself in in many ways. You know, I was definitely you know getting in my own way. Um, so if and, and I'm not just saying, you know, I, I'm saying I, I, that's normal. I, I, you know, yeah, I was just a normal schmuck. But but if you can do it. At, at this age, and, and you can build off of this, you you are definitely ahead, you of, know, the ahead of the game. Not to pass the buck, but I, I do think that that's something that our generation is normalizing and, and making okay because of the, 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 the few of you guys, you know, who, who said, you know, this is, this is, this is maybe not, we shouldn't just try to be that, you know, like the, the the outsiders who found their way into media and and found their way to to be able to 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 represent you know um people just being able to to be themselves now do you feel that social media and being growing up in kind of the computer generation helped because you could see people out there who were different or did you feel or do you feel it it hinders that because there's this image you have to reach for in my case the moment i stopped worrying about social media was kind of the moment i was able to most freely accept myself um i know that that's not always true like i i uh, i have friends who find youtubers that are really inspiring to them you know and um but i, I you know I, I try I try and stay in a little a little bit of an echo chamber and you know my, my friends are what inspire me 
you know, my friends, my family. Laura, who were you at 25? What, what, what battles was, were you fighting? I was almost done. I was like, I, 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 my degree is in physics. I worked in a, at a. What? Wait, wow. what? You didn't know my degree is in no. physics. No. What? Oh, worse than saying put her baby in there. I go, honey, you can't send them through the black hole. Her mass will become infinite. They're not going <laughs> to like that. Oh, he would my write God. stuff, and I go, no, honey, that's not how matter works. But um, uh, physics, dance, you're like a rock star to I, me. No, my, my degree is in physics, and I worked one year. Maybe six months at a roller coaster factory. My, I mean, I'm old. My job was if five really fat people got in a log ride, what would happen? And I'd set up the equations for that. But you'd get wet. Everyone would get very wet. Would the, yeah. So I did that kind of stuff, which was I thought roller coasters. No, no. But um, I don't know where are we. Talking? Oh, so at 25, 25, so I'd worked as a physicist, and then it was like saying finding yourself. I tell this to my students' parents all the time. You do everything in your power to stop her. And if you can't stop her, then she's supposed to be a dancer. I mm. did everything to try and not follow that path. And I ended up back there. Mm. I, at 25, I, was, I, had met, I just met him. So I had been in a ballet company. I had choreographed a lot. I had danced a lot. It was the very infant stages of music videos where somebody say, I have a band and they want like some dancers. Can you get somebody together? And I, you know, so, I mean, there were no big, it, that's how I started choreographing. So by 25, I was already. You were dancing. I was dancing. You were dancing and you were teaching. And I mean, she was like unbelievable. I could, she was, you know, uh, 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 the energy that she was putting out every day. And the that you put out now, it's unbelievable. I, 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 was, I was gobsmacked, you know. It's like, you know, dare I eat a peach, you know, and she's off, you know, uh, doing, doing, just doing things. She was a thing doer, you know, and I was a thing thinker, around, yeah. you know. Wow. And I'm thinking, you know, to be or not to be, and she's like... She's on the road somewhere, going from one job to another. It was, it was, it was really something. But I didn't have this kind of self-awareness or this kind of insight at all. I was still trying to fit some sort of form or, you know, where do I, I, I still cared about fitting in. Mm. It's only when I was like maybe this year's old that I realized uh, you're never going to fit in and that's okay. Let them fit into you, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, twenty-five. I had no self-awareness like this. Me either. Yeah. I was still really going for career, and doing whatever the culture wanted. That's what I would be. That's what I would do. And, and yet, I had these boundaries, so that I had to meet for myself ethical boundaries. So it was kind of like playing football. And you know, I, I just, I, I would just go and stand off on the sideline. The football thing is not working for me because I can't make that analogy. <laughs> I have to abandon it right now. But it were just there were so many things that were required at that time that I just went no. I no. So I won't work. Whatever. I'll find my whale. It's how I went into TV. Movies were too scary because directors had too much power. So it was like uh, directors don't 
or didn't at the time in TV. So it was like, okay, that's what I'll do. So you weren't aware of it, but even back then you needed to have a certain amount of control over your environment that you were creating. In. A certain amount of control over what I would and wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to be an actor and give up, go, yeah, okay, I know there are 10 behind me, so I'll do whatever I need to do. I just, I, I couldn't do it. it. Acting was what I did. It wasn't who I was. Oh. Uh, am I right in assuming that also at that time it was like, you know, um, I, I mean, I, I just think of like, even when I was young, there was like the, 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 the stuff that they had was like girls gone wild and like all, all this, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, no. like it was all right. like national lampoon or, or something like that. That was so a little know. after me, but in the seventies, yes, it was all about, uh, going to an audition and taking your top off, yeah. whether you needed to or not. And it was like, no, no. And it was every movie. So it was like, you know what? TV doesn't need that. So, And the directors aren't going to get weird on you. No one is because you're in and out too quickly. Uh, so, Or if you're on a series, then you have some kind of importance and they'll leave you alone. Mm. Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, there actually is something I, I wanted to, I, I guess, talk to everyone. I, I mean, the the chances that anyone here has uh, exp- uh, tried to watch uh, Euphoria are very low. Um, Don't you watch it? My daughter wants me to watch that. My daughter, who's now 33, kind of is the boss of what I watch. Okay, yeah. So um, I have not gotten to it yet. Uh, I, I struggled with it a lot. Um, because... Uh, it's it's TV, but it, it seems it it's like uh, it's like um, the it's just so reckless. It's such reckless television, in my opinion. It's like there's a uh, the main character breaks the fourth wall and like goes, you know, in a cool way, and she's Zendaya, and she's like, "You want to know how I got addicted to drugs? Well, let me tell you." And then it's some sexy story about. Uh, you know, looking great in a bathroom, and it, it it it's to to me. I was talking with a few friends who, you know, uh, you know, were were had family members that were addicted to drugs, and they were like, "Oh my God, this is awful." And it it's just trying to tap into something something going on, you know. But now, wait a minute. Your daughter likes it. She loves it. What, no, so what's her point of view? What does you she know, tell she you says, about it? She won't ever tell me about it. Oh, it's HBO, but, like, so it's ex- well made. So, for example, she said, Mom, you have to watch Breaking Bad. And I went, okay. I started watching it. I go, what on earth made you think I would love this? She goes, well, the science. I mean, you could have a meth lab. <laughs> it's totally something you would do. Things would be different now. If but only. it was like, that's what you thought I would like? Yeah, he's just a regular guy, and he used to science. And I'm like, God, Roxanne. But I know exactly what you're saying, because there's a movie out right now, Power of the Dog, which gets getting a lot of attention. Mm. And everybody, and I saw something totally different. I saw there were two gay characters, and neither of them, they, and they both were kind of... N- not likable and kind of had low mirror. And I said, if you're going to have gay characters, can't one of them? I mean, I came away from that feeling really creepy about... Mm. I felt so bad after watching that. I did too. I mean, what I came out of it with after talking to her is, you know, unlike what seems to be the, the mass reaction to it is that the only 
character worth caring about is Benedict Cumberbatch. That actually he's not the hero in the, you know, but but that kid is a monster. Mm. Jesse Plemons is a weak nothing who disappears for fifty minutes in the middle of the movie because he's nowhere, and and she's an alcoholic right away. That's where she goes. She's weak. these are weak people who don't know how to deal with life. Yeah. And this is a guy trying to deal with his sexuality and sees this guy and suddenly realizes maybe there's a chance, you know, he can help him find his way. And the other guy goes, I'm going to kill this guy, basically. That's, I mean, that, that is the movie. That is the plot. Um, but it's like uh, Benedict is now uh, nominated for... And it, it blows my mind because I'm like... I I I'm, I mean I, I don't want to talk about the movie too much, but it's like he the the he, he did stilted acting, and the point was that he was repressing his sexuality, and then at the end he kind of starts to have emotions, but like the whole time he's stilted, and it it it's so hard to even like him. No, well, that's definitely. the thing. There was no, and finally when you find something or someone that's kind of you're pulling for, you know. Anyway, for uh, I was relating it to what you were saying, which is there are. TV shows and films out there that an entire um, society will feel a certain way about. And if you have somebody you know or something, like for example, I, gay, I grew up with gay men. I mean, I was a ballet dancer. I grew up with gay men. And so I saw these negative images of gay men in that film because that was where I was coming from. When you look at Euphoria, you see this kind of casual attitude, sex, sexy casual attitude about drug addiction. So... I think it's what's both horrible and wonderful about film and television and books and dance and theater. Every single, no matter who you're writing for, which is why, circling back to the very beginning, why you shouldn't write for fans, because everybody's going to see something different. Mm. Mm. You know, mm. everybody's going to see their life experiences mm. if if it's good. Hey, kids out there, <laughs> if you want to see a good movie this year, watch Drive My Car. It's a good film. Three hours, but you should watch it. Three hours. That's the best is, movie I've seen this year. Is that what, uh, yeah, how did you come across Drive My Car? Is that, uh, that's um. Well, it's it's gotten a lot of buzz, and they sent me a, a code to watch a, a screener. <laughs> so three hours. You know, I, I would love to have seen it in the theater because it's a very it's the best use of Uncle Vanya ever in a movie. Uncle Chekhov's, ba- Uncle uh, Chekhov's Uncle Vanya, the play, oh, w- which they keep referring to because there's a play being uh, a rehearsal of a play. Um, but but don't let Uncle Vanya throw you off, kids. It's it's a really good movie. This, um, so it's not enough popcorn in I the know. world. <laughs> I know, Three I know, hours. I know, I know. It's really good. I mean, this is how bad I've gotten as a consumer. I'm like thinking about breaking my theater dry spell by going to see uh, the new Jackass. Oh, I, oh, my kids I, I'll went. go with you. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I'll be at home. I, I, yeah. uh, you know, I had never watched Jackass, but uh, I went to see Jackass 2 with a buddy of mine and for the entire movie, I think. And uh, we, we just either were laughing or just had a blissful smile. Every time I looked over at him, it was like he's seeing the hand of God. It was just like... <laughs> Smiling with this beatific kind of a 
thing going on. So yes, uh, I, I, I. We don't have the stooge gene. No. You know, do you get the stooge? No. I don't even get two hey, of the Hey, those guys suffer for but their we don't, But we don't have the <laughs> stooge. I don't get it. They don't have the they Marx have the Brothers. Bones. I don't get it. They I don't get the it. broken bones to prove it. And I, I go, it. they were good musicians, yeah, really yeah, good, yeah. but the Marx Brothers, I know. they're not funny. not funny. It's not, not funny. funny. He just poked him in the eye. That's not funny. Well, that's yeah. But, so, but, but Jack asks, he goes, we well, Right. Have a great time. Yeah. But isn't that Johnny Knoxville? It's Johnny yeah. Knoxville. Okay, so Johnny Knoxville. Oh, that's a great story. Johnny Knoxville's kid story. and my kid went to Hollywood. Um, elementary school together. But it wasn't. It's up in a little tiny school up in Laurel Canyon. And Jesse would go, can I go over to what's-his-name's house? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> the story. So Jesse and his friends were outside the school, and one of them had a skateboard, and Johnny Knoxville was there to pick up his kid, he got there early, and he goes, hey, kid, can I borrow your skateboard? And it's like Johnny Knoxville, and it's like. Well, not, they were little. It was like, yeah, yeah somebody's yeah. dad, yeah. They give him the skateboard, and you know, there's quite a hill going, going it's down. It's the canyon. You know, look at mountain. And uh, Johnny Knoxville got on the skateboard and disappeared down the hill. And so they're still outside waiting and Johnny Knoxville doesn't come back for a while and they're thinking is it possible this guy stole my skateboard is that is, what the hell's going on and finally here comes Johnny Knoxville with the skateboard under his arm all cut up oh <laughs> my god bruised oh and cut up and smiling and smiling <laughs> So he's really like that. Who the hell knows? He's lucky he didn't get killed going straight down into Laurel Canyon traffic. Oh, you know, honestly. Like, and, and, and so this is why. Can I go over to whatever's name? No, you may not. <laughs> so Johnny Knoxville is the real deal, kid. It's just not something he does in yeah. the movie. Yeah. He's totally committed <laughs> to <God>. body mayhem. <laughs> well, I have to check my dinner and make sure that uh, it's not overcooking. Although there's not much I can do about it if it has. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a good, yeah, we, we're good. We're, we're good. good. Yeah. Is right. there anything you guys want to share, talk about, plug, whatever? Plug? No. No, no, no plugging. Except for um, three-hour film. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Drive my car. Drive yeah. my car. <laughs> there you go. That's good. No. Cool? Yeah. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. It's been really fun. Thanks. It Crazy fun. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening.